0: This is episode 32 of the Just Get Started podcast, and my guest today is the co founder of NextGen, Justin Lafazan. Let's get it started. Hey, gang, and welcome to another episode of the Just Get Started podcast. I'm your host, Brian Andreko, and thanks again for being a part of this journey. Um, it's been incredible so far. I mean, this year has just flew by. Um, I've gotten a chance to speak with some incredible individuals, and the feedback on the podcast, you know, it's tough putting yourself out there sometimes and trying something you know new um, where other people don't understand why are you doing this or you know, why are you trying to interview people and all that. So it's been incredible the amount of feedback I've had um, and insight to help improve the podcast, as well as just folks that are supportive along the way and uh, the community around people that are you know just trying to do their own thing, trying to be inspired, trying to be fulfilled in life, um, utilizing the tools that we have available here in uh, you know 2018 versus you know what you know my parents had thirty or forty years ago. Um, it's pretty incredible so the fact that you guys are listening through here I mean I'm grateful as hell that you're taking time out of your day because I know there's so many other options out there uh, for you guys for entertainment purposes and um, and for learning and those type of things so this is really a thrill uh, to be able to hopefully you know provide this platform as well as um, you know some great guests that you may not have heard of before and um, if you guys are loving the podcast I certainly appreciate you jumping on iTunes writing a review give me a rating Um, It certainly helps grow the community here, get it out to other folks that uh, may not be aware of it. So I certainly appreciate you guys doing that. I'm really excited to jump right into our uh, guest today, uh, my interview with Justin Lafazan. Um, You can find Justin online, justinlafazan.com. And his name is spelled J-U-S-T-I-N-L-A-F-A-Z-A-N. And also his company that he co-founded, NextGen. Um, Go to ngsummit.com is probably the best way to find them um, online. But incredible individual. I mean, he's 22 years old. I mean, this guy has an incredible uh, head in his shoulders. Um, Really, really impressive. Um, Some of the different insight he had and and thoughtfulness around the problem he's trying to solve, as well as just to to help you guys as well um, as you're going through your particular um, journeys in life. So I think you guys are really going to enjoy this episode um, and my interview with Justin. So Without further ado, let's jump in to my chat with Justin Lafazan. Let's get it started. Hey Justin, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for joining today.
1: Brian, thanks so much for having me really excited to dive in.
0: Yeah, and I want to take a let's uh, let's go all the way back to start the conversation um, and let's kind of put the uh, kind of the path you know to to where you are at today kind of in motion there. Um, I'm curious you know as, as a young entrepreneur like yourself, I always want to know how it started for you. How did, are were you like the Gary Vaynerchuk pulling, you know, flowers out of your neighbor's yard, <laughs> or and selling it back, or did the did the entrepreneurship bug kind of hit you later in adolescence? Help me out there, kind of childhood a little bit. How did you get into things, and then we'll uh, we'll be off to the races.
1: Yeah, sounds great, Brian. Well, I was definitely an entrepreneurial teenager, but my first real pursuit of a startup was my senior year of high school. Uh, my buddy at the time, Dylan Gambardella, who is my current co-founder at NextGen, and myself uh, started a education technology company with the idea of democratizing a little bit of the college admissions process to allow kids from all over the world to get access to college counseling cheaper and more effectively. And when we started that company, uh, Dylan was heading off to Duke, and I had just gotten into the Wharton School of Business at the University of Pennsylvania for my own undergrad, but had decided to take a leave before even entering. Uh, so it needed a little bit of time to, to explore some of these entrepreneurial pursuits, explore some of the creative energy I was having. So we started this company and that company uh, was really great, taught us so much about uh, starting a first business, but actually led to the discovery of the current problem we're trying to solve, in that we were attempting to build an organization that was exciting and challenging and, and growing ourselves, And all we wanted to do was talk to other young people who were in the trenches with us, who were also thinking about the same type of opportunities, same type of problems, going through the same uh, things that that we were going through. And we couldn't find them anywhere. We would go to conferences. We would go to different cities. We'd host dinners and meetups. And young people were almost hidden. Uh, Youth entrepreneurship in 2013 uh, just wasn't as prevalent as it was today. So we decided, hey, maybe it would be really cool if all these people were starting to meet and getting a little bit of a glimpse into this world could come together, so we can support each other, share ideas, exchange, you know, support, um, and start to build some type of uh, collaboration between young entrepreneurs. And that was the kickstart for hosting our first conference, Next Gen Summit, in 2015, and leading all the way up to today, running the Next Gen Global Community uh, still with Dylan and now with a full-time team of five.
0: And, you know, how did that first idea originate for you? Um, was it, was it something that you were doing? Were you guys kind of just hashing, you know, kind of talking through ideas and like, man, this would be kind of cool. Or were, were you kind of, you know, that scratch your own itch mentality Were you trying to solve yeah, something? Brian, it yourself? was, it
1: was straight up need for us. Um, we, we needed to meet other young people doing it like us. We were making every business mistake in the book. We were struggling in so many areas, but we were more excited than ever before in our entire lives trying to build a company. And we truly had a need. We needed the inspiration, the tools, the mentorship from people who were just like us. It was a problem we had for ourselves. And it wasn't a business solution we were trying to build. We we're trying to build something that would help our own journeys, help us feel more aligned, more connected, uh, more supported uh, on our young entrepreneur path. And what we realized when we started talking to other people were that every other young entrepreneur was saying the exact same thing, that, hey, I have my current business, but you know what I really need for myself is uh, to be part of a network, to be part of a community, to to know that someone has my back in, in the trenches with me. So we built a problem based on our own need, and it turns out that the the market that's creating solutions these entrepreneurs have a personal need themselves, which is to to uh, have resources, to have collaboration within a larger community.
0: Yeah, and, and don't you feel? I mean, that goes back to you know, kind of everything cyclical, right? The everyone says like, oh, everyone's digital, online, they're always on their phones, but people still want to meet, they still want to connect, they still want to ideate and have ideas. Is that what you found out, obviously, with the next gen uh, summit? Yeah.
1: You know it sounds so great looking back in hindsight My, Brian I really like the way you put it at that time we really didn't know what this underlying trend was that we were tapping into but we wanted it we wanted to sit down face to face with with young entrepreneurs and and collaborate later on probably 5 years later we learned that there was this underlying shift so around 2005 2015 there's this shift one way towards social networks everyone's running to be online, everyone's running to connect in in you know uh, Facebook and Twitter and and Instagram, which was just popping up. Uh, so there's a shift to social networks, but at the same time, the pendulum has started to shift back. People are looking for more curated communities to be a part of that identify with their niche interests, their niche um, segments of their journey, both personally and professionally. And that shift back is not just in startups. You see Facebook changing its mission statement away from bringing the world closer and now towards giving people the power to build community. You see the Airbnb CEO changing his title, not CEO, but towards head of community. Uh, And so there's this big shift backwards towards community, towards in-person connection and facilitating that conversation. And I think we didn't know it at the time, but we definitely tapped into the right vein there.
0: So for folks, and maybe this is helpful for folks listening to this and and not, can you give a little maybe 30 second over of the NextGen Summit, what that is, what that
1: movement's about um, that you guys have have set forth. So at a high level, NextGen is a business hub that provides young entrepreneurs with the tools, the resources, the mentorship, and the knowledge that they need on their professional journeys. So what does that actually mean every day? On one hand, we're connecting, we're bringing together really great young entrepreneurs. We have an online forum, we have an event series, we host regional events, we have regional chapters, we have uh, a digital platform. So we connect young entrepreneurs, we bring them together. And on the other hand, we support them. So we connect them with tools that they need on their business. We connect them with opportunities to pitch investors, to receive mentorship, world class mentorship and also with educational resources that they'll need to learn and hopefully not make the same mistakes that other entrepreneurs are making. So it's all about uniting really brilliant young founders and then giving them support that they need on their journey. Uh, There's an entry level that's totally free to join our global community. And then as you, I think, move throughout the community, there are opportunities to pay for additional resources.
0: I want to get in your thoughts a little bit um, and kind of go deep where you want on this. But where did you ultimately at a, at a young and you're not old as it is now, but at a younger age, um, where did you get the confidence to to start a business? Is that something that was maybe from the, your family or something? Like, Because I think a lot of people are apprehensive, especially at a young age, to kind of take that leap of faith. What was it for you? How did you get started with that?
1: Yeah, what a great question, Brian. To be honest, I'm going to keep that one in my pocket to ask other people because I think it probably creates some really magical moments. Uh, my parents are fantastic, amazing, amazing individuals. The the definition of, of what perfect, imperfect parents can be. Um, and my family was rocked pretty hard by the financial crisis. Um, my dad is a mortgage banker, and that was really tough for our family. And I knew from a very young age that if I don't take control of my life and create my own opportunities, um, I'm in I'm in someone else's ball game. I, I don't have real control of my life. So that uh, family struggle that we went through with the financial crisis, like really, I think, emboldened me to become a fierce leader. If I don't, if I don't make it myself, if I don't take control of my own path, I will I will never have a life that's really extraordinary. Because at any any day, if you follow. The conventional route, you take what's given and, and you go from there, um, you could end up like my pops or you can end up like so many people who did the right thing. They, they paid their dues and, and they ended up um, with, a, with a pretty unfair shake. So that negative experience was the, one of the really defining segments of my life that inspired me to be an entrepreneur. I didn't know what an entrepreneur was, um, but it inspired me to really live a life that I'm in full control where at the end of the day, what I produce is what I get to take home. And I'm pretty romantic, to be honest, about that concept. I think it's beautiful. And I don't think you have to start your own company to do that, Brian. I think there are so many ways that you can be an entrepreneur in your own life that doesn't require you starting a company. Um, But that, that really galvanized this motivation that, at least for the foreseeable future, is not wearing off. Because I come to work every day fired up, knowing that I control my own life, I control my own destiny. And I'm not really sure how you could live a life without knowing that. Um, I, maybe I'm a little disenfranchised from the real world at this point, but I, I, at this point I see it as if you're don't, if you not building your own equity in your person, in your organization, whatever it may be, uh, I don't know how you get up out of bed in the morning.
0: Yeah. Can you help? I want you to go a little deeper if you can on something and kind of use this platform for folks that are listening that, And maybe they have younger kids that are kind of on the way up. Maybe there's a younger person listening because I think there's, I I get in a lot of um, discussions. We'll use that word with folks around the whole adage of kind of doing what you're saying is whether it's scratching your own itch or something to be able to go along and say, you know, I want to start my own business or I want to do something that's going to set me up uh, to be fulfilled in life. And I don't have to rely on other people versus that conventional wisdom of nope, go to school, you get good grades, go to a college, Get a job and then kind of work your way up the ladder type approach. And not that that's bad, but can you kind of give your thought to the what you're doing side of the house and why you think that could bring a more fulfilling life to some people? I'm just curious your yeah, thoughts. Absolutely.
1: That. No, Brian, and, and I, I love the use of discussion because I trust me, I'm getting into a lot of discussions myself with, with folks in this world. Uh, I don't, I'll make my, my viewpoint really clear. I don't think you need to start your own company, but I do think everyone should be an entrepreneur. Um, and I, what I, where I tend to is the definition of an entrepreneur that Babson College is trying to reinvent. Classically, an entrepreneur is someone who takes large financial risk to start their own company or tries to bring an idea to market. And I think that's a really great definition, but pretty narrow. The way I define an entrepreneur is someone who creates opportunities, who solves problems, who um, is effective and intentional about uh, a purposeful professional living. So I think you can go work for a large organization. You can go to school. You can have a really traditional path, but still be an entrepreneur. A couple of ways to do that. You can just build authority. So there is uh, this, this I think false but strong-held belief that if you are, uh, fall into this more conventional path, that you. You have to wait until you build authority. You have to become more senior. You have to get more experience. And I think that's totally inverse a way to think about things. If you wanna build authority, I think it's really clear what you have to do. Maybe start creating something. Um, Think about your own experiences, Brian, with just get started. How much more you know now about telling stories, about um, meeting really great people, about production, about editing. Um, You build authority by doing, not by waiting. Um, You could start to network at a really young age in or outside of a conventional path. Um, you can do that by, by storytelling, or you can do that by multiple other methods. Uh, I, the method that I chose was convening people uh, by hosting events or by getting really smart people together. A lot of authority and network building rubs off on you. So I you think know, there are these entrepreneurial strategies that everyone should be using to take control of their own lives. And that doesn't really matter if you want to go start a startup with two of your best friends or you want to go work at a big company for the rest of your life. But the people that I personally just enjoy hanging out with are people who um, are independent thinkers who want to do really great things. They know that they're not going to get it by just waiting around, you know, sit back, fingers crossed, and pray. They're gonna they're gonna get it by being really intentional to achieve. About saying, I have a goal in in my mind, and here is what I need to do to get there. Now, of course, uh, I maybe I'll be a little biased here. I, I love startup founders. I, I have grown more in the past year than i think i would have grown in 10 if i didn't do this because you're making mistakes you i am i'm experiencing growing pains of belief as my organization continues to scale but there's something beautiful absolutely beautiful in that uh, that that personal growth um, i read uh, principles by ray dalio earlier in 2018 and i think the message that ray is trying to deliver is the reason it's important to establish principles or establish this like mode of thinking is so every day you can get better. The goal of life is just every day, just keep getting better, 1%, 1%, 1% better. Um, if, you, if you get 1% better every single day, you're 37 times better at the end of the year, not three and a half times better at the end of the year. And I think that's the way I view an entrepreneur, someone who wants to get 1% better every single day. So your personal growth is really rising and you've taken life into your own hands. I like
0: how you kind of unpacked all that and, and wrapped it up very nicely as well. So, uh, let me ask you this a little bit um, on the business side of things: Can you give folks kind of an idea? Of maybe, maybe it's one or two things that you've learned across. You know, kind of in this this early journey of maybe it was that first business, maybe it's with uh, next gen, um, but either or both. Just some of the things that maybe things to look out for. If you are looking to start a business or kind of going on this new adventure, uh, maybe it's some side hustle even or something like that. But just anything that maybe think about or be cognizant of that maybe you made a mistake with and, and you wish you knew then. Um, just curious, any additional thoughts on that?
1: Yeah, uh, that's a really great question. I'll, I'll choose one, I think, uh, kind of cliche one and then one more original. So the first is you want to build a for a problem and not for a solution. So what that means is many times someone will have a great idea for maybe a new app that does some type of new feature. And that's a really, really great start. And I I applaud you for even thinking about that. But the really important uh, dichotomy you wanna look for is, is this solving a problem? Have I identified a problem and I'm I'm fixing that problem? Or have I identified a solution that's just a better way to do something? And that is where I think most early stage companies go wrong, they choose the latter. They choose, oh, this is a really good solution. Why don't people buy my solution? as opposed to choosing a problem. The really easy part about choosing a problem is if you if there's a problem, you know who you should go market it towards for your first customers. Let's say NextGen was created as a solution versus a problem. I would have no idea who to go to to try to sell this, pitch this, invest, scale. But now that I know we're solving a problem for a really specific type of person, a 20 to, you know, 30-year-old uh, entrepreneur at the early stage of their journey, they have a problem. They need exposure, momentum, tools on their journey. I can target them because I'm I'm solving a problem, not a solution. So I think that's a really, really great first piece of advice that a lot of people give, but people don't really listen to. Uh, I'd say a second piece of advice that is more independent, I got from a great mentor of mine, Rich Keller, who helped build the Godiva brand and is now doing personal branding consulting. Um, He says, great brands make their consumers the hero. And I think that's just a a really brilliant way of, of saying your company shouldn't be about your company. It should be about your consumer, your community member, your client. Your job as a company is to deliver so much value to that person you're exchanging with that they feel like the hero for even coming to you in the first place. And that's what really great brands do well is they empower you to be the hero. They're not all about themselves. those are two pieces of business advice that i i I hold pretty strongly on when you're starting something how you should really position it and and think about your model
0: and that's really a nice transition to do i was going to ask about kind of mentors because obviously with next gen it's almost kind of like that type right where you're kind of meeting folks or maybe learning from people that have done it before you or or some people that are in the same kind of cage with you from a mentorship standpoint you, you mentioned you know one person Is there a few others that you've kind of relied on or or maybe, you know, kind of lean on for advice or insight in in the tough times?
1: Yeah, Brian, I'll tell you a a quick, funny story. When I uh, decided not to go to college right away the day after I I told them, I printed out the Forbes 30 under 30 list for that year. And I emailed just about every single member. And I said, hey, my name is Justin. I'm, let's say, 17 at the time. I'm thinking about entrepreneurship. Can I hop on a 30-minute call with you and interview you? Uh, to learn about why you chose this career. I was really fascinated with that. And those early interviews turned into some of my current mentors, friends, original community members, speakers at our conferences. So that tool of finding great people who've done it before and trying to tell their stories helps you discover a lot about yourself in the process. So I did that when I knew I needed mentors and wanted to kickstart that process. Um, Now we have a formal advisory board that is outstanding. And a lot of the folks who have shaped what we're trying to do. So one of our most prominent members is Frank Schenkwitz, who is the founder of the Make-A-Wish Foundation, who's just built a really, really fantastic institution on giving. And they've built a, just a, a wonderful community around Make-A-Wish. Uh, so I'm, I'm constantly looking to learn. I think every day I wanna go into work, figure out what am I messing up badly, and then go and, and ask people uh, how I can get better at it. And mentors can come in all shapes and sizes. I, I think I have uh, buckets of mentors. I have professional mentors um so mentors who are helping me with this new performance review strategy that i'm trying to build for the company but i also have personal mentors who help me in understanding my own identity who help me in in when i get frazzled with because work is too overwhelming how do i rebalance and and re kind of reshuffle my basket uh so i think they have buckets in in many areas and mentorship is one of the most powerful tools ever um and I, i i'm so grateful to have wonderful mentors in my life, and that's why we've built it as one of the key components in the next gen user experience. Mentorship is everything. So it's a game changer. It's like black and white. And uh, if you come to next gen, mentorship is one of the prime resources we try to provide you.
0: You know, one of the things I was going to ask, kind of going back a little bit, um, but I'd thought of was just around again, folks that you know, and you talk about entrepreneurship, but, but let's take the approach of starting a business because. One of the questions just when I'm talking to folks a lot goes around, well, Brian, I don't have any money to start a business or I don't have, you know, I, I can't get funding or, you know, I hear a lot of that sometimes. I'm curious of your approach, kind of the world that, you, that you're, you're around. How how often is that the case? Is that a, is that a myth? Um, is it more folks just not kind of putting that first step forward? I'm, I'm curious what your thoughts are around kind of getting something off the ground versus, hey, having to go get an investor and get a lot of money to start it. Where kind of the uh, is there a meeting point between those, or can you do it both ways? I'm just kind of curious your thoughts nowadays.
1: Yeah, Brian. In in this case, I I think I am uh, overly optimistic simply because I'm so young. I hear about these stories of founders in the early 2000s who wanted to start tech companies and they had to apparently spend thousands of dollars on on servers uh, to to get their original website up. And I feel I feel bad <laughs> for uh, folks who who uh, are just uh, had to go through that because today it couldn't be easier. There could not be better resources to to start a company and with new strategies that have really democratized a lot of the process of starting a company. So take a business that you want to start. Let's say you want to sell a good. If you don't have any money, the first thing you can do is set up a website, like on Squarespace or Shopify, costs like nine bucks a month and get a pre-sale going where you can collect money before you even make anything. And all of a sudden, once you've hit a certain threshold where you know I have enough to go make something, at that point, you can then go invest the money that you've already collected into making the good. So you can, number one, totally flip the model uh, of how you uh, want to sell things. I think it's really brilliant. Number two is, and I mentioned this earlier, um, there are a lot of really great tools now that allow you to start a company really cheap. So website services, app services, consulting services that you can pay really, really cheap amounts of money to get high quality work, high quality technology um, to start your organization. So I think for those two reasons, there's like alone, it's easier than ever to start a company with no money. But I don't want to dismiss the fact that it's also really hard to start a company with no money. Our first company, this Students for Students EdTech company that Dylan and I were working on, we started that with no money. With NextGen, we lost 30 grand on our first event. Um, putting that together. And that money came from money that we had made from our first business. And that was a tough, a tough loss. I can't even underline that enough. Like that was a tough, tough loss to stomach. But there is a way to, uh, I think, invest in your own future, invest in your own success. Um, so we started two businesses, one without money, one with money. And with money, I meant our life savings that we then lost. Um, but it is easier than ever to start without money. And, and I think it's much harder but the scrappy and resourceful person who figures it out is probably the person who's going to continue to do really well with that.
0: Well, I, I think I'd fail big time if I don't go back a second. I, I have to ask a little deeper. So, you lose thirty thousand dollars in the first event. What? Tell me about the next day, like, or that next week. Like, what would <laughs> What? What was happening with you and Dylan? Like, talking about? Oh my God, did we make a big
1: mistake here? Or? I'm curious to kind of hear a little bit about that story. It's a hilarious story, Brian. So we host the first conference, NextGen Summit 2015, in Austin, Texas. reason we hosted it in Austin was we wanted, you know, people from New York startup ecosystem, Silicon Valley startup ecosystem. We figured if we choose the middle, then they would both come. None of them came. Um, so we had a great community forming in Austin, which is still still true today. Um, and from an event planner's perspective, I think we hosted probably the worst event you could ever imagine going to. I vividly remember, I'll never forget my entire life. We're sitting there, Don and I in the audience, watching the very first speaker, literally the first speaker, go up. And the banner behind them falls down in the middle of their talk. My head falls into my hands. Like, wow, we're, we're, we're like the worst event planners in the world. And at the end of the weekend, um, we asked each other, like, hey, how did this win? And we thought it went pretty well because of the quality of attendee that was there. Amazing, amazing attendee, hand curated, some of the brightest, most talented young entrepreneurs in the world. But it wasn't until the next day that we realized what we had built. So we put up this little Facebook group for attendees to find roommates and talk throughout the weekend. And the next day, we started seeing attendees post in this group, I met my investor at this conference. He's funded my $500,000 seed round, and we're starting this business. Or... Me and my best friend came to this, we have decided to take a gap year, not go to school and work on our new book idea. Or I met my girlfriend here. Like these, these stories of serendipity by just getting young people to come together and collaborate were shockingly beautiful and powerful. And we used that momentum to really birth the community. We thought we were going to build a conference. And what was screaming to us in the face was that we don't, we don't need to build a as a community. So we still host events. Our marquee event is Next Gen Summit held in June in New York City every year. It's what we're most well known for. It's what we've gotten the most press for. But the conference is just one of the tools that we use to build this global community, which is what the founders were screaming for. It didn't turn out so bad, then. That's good. <laughs> <laughs> Great investment. Um, and I would do it any day, knowing what we know now horrible feeling uh, when we were all going through it. Some of the most stressful times in my life were that month before the first event. We had no sponsors, no speakers, no ticket sales, no venue, no anything. Um, but we were resourceful we were scrappy and we were hungry. And we knew, I, we didn't even know why we were doing it. And I think that is when you know something is right, when you just want you need to do it. You need to do it, Brian. Um, not because you know why or because you think it'll make a lot of money. We just needed to do it for us because we saw the potential of, of the kids, of the people.
0: Explain to me a little bit why, um, you know, I wanted to touch on just briefly uh, the book you wrote, what wakes you up? Because I'm curious just why, why you thought um, to write a book, why you, why it was the right time then just kind of curious your thoughts around that. I'm always fascinated with um, authors and kind of why they started writing a book and how they went through that writing process.
1: Yeah. So Brian, remember the story about the Forbes 30 under 30. Well, a big trick I used to get a lot of them to talk to me was I told them I was writing this book and I didn't have a plan to write a book at the time, but I would just started collecting these interviews. And I did that process in the various forums over the course of two years. So I was talking to a lot of people. I would tell them writing a book. I had no plan to write the book, but I was just, I was just writing for myself for no one else to read. I wasn't blogging. I was writing for myself um, and trying to distill a lot of the things that I was learning into some type of, Content base where I can, I can best learn um, what I what I was hearing and the stories that were being told to me, and I entered my freshman year of college at Penn, where I am a senior now, and I was just amazed that I had so much information that I started to put the pieces of a book together. It started to come together in the form of chapters and and the themes, and then I got really excited, like I got really hooked on the idea of hey, I have all this really wonderful content that could probably help a lot of people. How can I now frame it in a way that's most empowering to my life's mission, to the thing that I was working on with NextGen? How can I give this to the to me two years ago who would have had his life changed if he read it? So I wrote the book basically to myself um, that I, I would have loved to read when I was getting started before I did the interview process. And the message of the book is, is the title. It's What Wakes You Up. It is how to find and do work and live a life where um, you get you get out of bed in the morning really pumped. And the reason I chose that one uh, is actually kind of funny too. There's a guy named Scott Dinsmore who gave a an incredible Ted, TEDx talk that changed my life forever. It's called "How to Find and Do Work You Love." And Scott passed away a, a couple of years later. But in in the after, from the time I watched the talk to the time he passed, we exchanged emails. I was trying to just get mentorship, learn from him. And he said something really unique. He said, young people have no problem staying up late at night. So I I don't buy this BS of like, oh, what are you going to stay up till 2 a.m. doing? Because we're staying up till 2 a.m. anyway. But how many young people do you know are going to get up at 6 a.m. to go really work on something that they're passionate about? Probably way less. So um, I I, I, I was pretty bought into that. So I titled the, the book, What Wakes You Up? Trying to figure out how we can live lives that really get us out of bed in the morning, stoked for the day ahead.
0: That's a that's a good uh, transition. I was gonna ask about kind of daily habits and routines that you go through, um, and especially with your juggling, gosh, who knows how well with school and next gen and all this other stuff. Is there anything that's kind of tried and true that you have to do each and every day, or you stick to a certain you know kind of regime, um, or is it kind of all over the place?
1: Yeah, it's definitely shifted over time. But I'm a huge believer in in habits and routine. So a few of them that have never um, really moved, even though the, how they look is a little bit different as a morning routine. So I'm a huge believer in having a strong morning routine, whether it's at home at school, at work, there's so much that you can do in the morning to start your day off. Right. So I do try to work out in the morning. Um, actually I don't know how many other people do this, but I go, when I go to the gym in the morning, afterwards I play basketball. Um, I try to play as much as I can. I even play by myself or challenge random people to one-on-one. <laughs> I'm not even really that good at basketball. I'm actually pretty bad <laughs> at basketball. Uh, but there's something about working out in the morning and then playing a sport that is just so fun for me um, that puts me in the best mood uh, for my day. I, I do journal. Um, I use Tim Ferriss's recommended five-minute journal, which is about gratitude and excitement for your day and then affirmations about who you, who you are and the life you want to live. Um, I'm ruthless with my calendar. So I schedule my personal time, my life. I schedule everything um so i know what i want to do throughout the day and i'm really intentional about that and then i audit my calendar weekly to try to say hey have this got me closer to my goals was this was a good week was it a bad week or how do i need to adjust um i think all these productivity hacks or little tips can be summed up pretty nicely in, in first figuring out like who you want to be and what you want to do so i want to wake up in like a good mood and i you know that's important to me i want to wake up excited about my day feeling the most me feeling the most alive so what do i need to do to feel that i want to stay on task and make sure i'm delivering on my goals what tools what do i need to do that so just being intentional about what you want and then reverse engineering it from there i read this i listened to a great podcast this morning with lebron james and his trainer and the like, message of the podcast was i don't care for a high performance athlete author entrepreneur professor um we all need coaching we all need constant improvement and we all need growth every single day we need to get better um and i think habits and routines are, are the one avenue to do that
0: yeah that was a that was that uh, with tim ferris
1: yeah exactly
0: yeah it was a phenomenal one it was always a, always good to hear from from a top athlete of how he's kind of you know performing and what's important there yeah um, well, you know you mentioned goals i'm curious your thoughts do, do you structure goals short-term, long-term. I'm really bullish on daily goals. I don't think enough folks have daily goals. They kind of are thinking too much in the future at times. What, what are your thoughts on, on goals and how maybe people could set them up to, I guess, make it more impactful for their lives?
1: Yeah, Brian, it seems like we're on the same page on that. I, I value uh, process over outcomes. I think that's a really great way to put it. So you can't control um, let's say you set a goal for a year. And we do set you know, yearly, let's say, business goals or quarterly revenue goals. Um, but it's really hard to say, hey, I, oh, I want to achieve this revenue number for the year. It's way easier to achieve, hey, what can I do every day to maybe put me in a position to get there? Um, there's a great, great book that I could not recommend enough. It's more about the story than the book. It's uh, Bill Walsh, Score Take Care of Itself. And basically, Bill's whole philosophy when he turned around the San Francisco 49ers from in the NFL to uh, multiple Super Bowls, one of the best teams ever, was he said, don't worry about the score. Like the score will take care of itself. Let's just be the best every single day. The first thing he did when he came into the organization, and this is um, pretty famously popularized by Keith Boyce, who's a brilliant entrepreneur. Um, the first thing Bill Walsh did when he took over the, the the football team, the 49ers, was he wrote a memo to to the receptionists on how to answer the phones the right way. And everyone's like, what, what, what do you mean? And Bill Walsh said, if like this organization needs to be paying attention to getting the details right every single day. And if we do every single day, the best that we can, we insist on a great process, the outcomes will take care of itself. So I'm a big believer in that. If you get 1% better every day and just focus on that, the goal of the year will, will take care of itself.
0: That's a pretty neat sir. I've been a 49ers fan since I was about five years old. So that's yeah. pretty oh, cool. You gotta, you gotta yeah. pick up this book, that's man. I'm cool. telling you, it's great. <laughs> well, give me give the folks well one an idea. Um, where where can everyone find you online? Where can they, they find next gen? Give some uh, ideas of uh, the, kind of the online presence for y'all.
1: Yeah, for sure. So personally, I'm at JustinLafazan.com. You get anyone feel free to email me at Justin at Justinlafazan.com. Um, and then our next gen organization lives at ngsummit.com, where you can join our community, get access to our free resources, get into our online forum, and also hear about when our next big events are planning. We love to constantly meet new people. Um, our community is constantly growing. We're looking for more folks always, um, wherever you are in your life cycle as an entrepreneur, in your personal life. Um, NextGen is a really unique resource and that will support you. So, would love to have folks visit ng and sign up to join our community.
0: Awesome! And leave everyone. I, this is kind of you know an homage I always do to, to Tim Ferriss because I love his stuff. Is leave everyone with maybe a quote, um, something that maybe can be inspiring for folks. Things maybe maybe kind of a lasting um, you know idea of Justin when they go off in their day um, that that you can share with them.
1: Yeah, I, I just uh, I read this great one. I think was it maybe even in one of Tim Ferriss' um, books. But it, it basically says, uh, I think the quote is, easy choices, hard life, hard choices, easy life. With the emphasis on everything we talked about, on habits, on growth, on performance. It's make the hard choices, which is, you know what the hard thing is? To just get better every day, to show up, to practice, to grow, to learn, to improve. That's the hard choice. But you make the hard choices, you're going to have an easy life because the score takes care of itself. So hard choices, easy life.
0: Justin, this has been a phenomenal uh, conversation. I, I've enjoyed a lot of your uh, insight on all this stuff. And uh, this is really cool. Glad to have you on here and uh, take some time out of your day to uh, share with the audience your story.
1: Brian, you are a great storyteller. I appreciate being on and looking forward to seeing how this can help people.
0: Hey, gang. Hope you enjoyed this episode. And as always, you guys can find me online, com. That's B R I A N. O-N-D-R-A-K-O as well as on Instagram and Twitter at Brian Ondrako. And if you guys are loving this podcast, I certainly would appreciate a review on iTunes or Google Play. It'd certainly mean the world to me. Hope you guys have a great day, a phenomenal week, and look forward to catching you soon. Take care.
1: Get started! <Gülüyor>